0: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Derek Jeter! This is the
2: Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Caranate, coming to you, recording live during the day portion of the day-night doubleheader necessitated by the rainout on Wednesday night during Rangers Lightning Game 1. Very helpful. Uh, Helpful rainout for some of us who wanted to go watch the New York Rangers win 6-2 in the opener. Uh, Not sure how many of these games are going to be played. Not sure how long this first one's going to be played. A lot of weather in the forecast. But for now, you can watch Nestor Cortez face Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout. He struck out Trout in the first. He just got Ohtani to pop out. 2-2 pitch coming to Trout. Live intro, and it's ball three, actually, bad framing by Jose Trevino, who we are going to talk about because this series is one game old, should be two. Uh, We're just going to have a little chat with all of y'all to talk about game one of this series Trevino dominating, again, taking over the narrative, uh, sliding in a home like no one else has ever slid in a home with a run I still can't believe counted, even nearly 48 hours later, Trout just walked, uh, and uh, the Joey Gallo comfort factor in right field, plus Matt Carpenter, we got to talk about all these very important Yankees developments as well as Josh Donaldson, who for some reason was the only player talking on Wednesday night uh, during the pre-rainout festivities and just sort of held court for a while, even though he's on the injured list rehabbing a sore shoulder. Not sure why that happened, uh, but he was a little upset that his teammates did not have his back. That's a shame. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. drop us a five-star review, drop us a mailbag question, in that review and we will be more than happy to answer it thomas carinante welcoming into the pod shohei otani on the mound so far looking a little iffy but still throwing 100 miles an hour uh the yankees took the statement first game of this series that they needed to now it'd be very nice to at least split this doubleheader against the angels who are struggling on the mound as of late these doubleheaders though that, that last one we had against the uh white Sox, not so great so probably need to get off on a better foot today
3: yeah uh didn't even realize the win the other night for the Yankees dish the angel there' the angels their six straight loss yeah people are talking about how awesome how entertaining how good the angels are they're five and a half games back of the Astros in the AL West I'm not saying it's over but like the Astros ne- are never going anywhere and the angels have nothing to do. They, they have they have everything to prove is, is what I mean they they you can't just be like oh the angels are good this year that's great the angels have not been good for a very long time despite having these star players um on the roster having Mike Trout Mike Trout for as long as they have various other big signings that have come through there um so down to nothing already um and uh, the Astros recovered nicely they were on a six game road trip they started that off zero two they recovered to go four and two. They had that ninth inning win yesterday against the A's, which was unreal. They scored four runs in the ninth. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's chill the discourse around the angels. I, I do like the roster that they have. Now they have runners on first and second shit. Yes, um, but yeah, nine <laughs> one the other night, that was a national audience game was on TBS. Right. Um, and uh, Yankees brought it uh, from the first inning uh wire to wire. Who- whipped Noah Cinder uh which was kind of funny. I don't know why it was funny. I kind of like Noah Syndergaard, and he's pitched in New York for a while, and he was supposed to be a Yankee. Um, but all the shit-talking he's done since leaving, I think Mets fans were even glad to kind of see that happen. They, they don't really like him anymore. Um, but, yeah, whole all-around effort. The only person without a hit in the lineup that night, somehow Aaron Judge. Yeah.
2: One of be messed- It's yeah. perhaps time for him to retire.
3: <laughs> nine nine to one victory Jordan Montgomery was great he got he got more than his legally mandated amount of runs Adam which uh, yes. is very important to note um he got more than two runs of support um and he uh he only gave up one across seven innings very efficient 87 pitches um even though the cushion was large I think Aaron Boone learned his lesson you don't bring out Jordan Montgomery for more than an inning that you have to um you could have tweaked you could you could have convinced yourself to bring him out for the 8th maybe mm-hmm. he gets through efficiently is still under um 100 pitches but you go to miguel castro finish it off with our guy david mckay great player <laughs> d mckay great player great guy and now we're here we got a doubleheader uh, yankees we're are out of the inning we're out of the inning folks we're out of the inning beautiful yes, you know, um so the threat is over yankees up 2 nothing matt carpenter again glaber torres again um I think it's important to talk about these two guys. What do you think?
2: I think it's important to talk about these two guys as well. I could talk about Matt Carpenter forever. The yeah. first at-bat of this game against Otani. Um, and you talk about, you know, Otani the pitcher. We've only seen, uh, I mean, I actually don't remember if we saw him in like 2018 before he was officially like a phenomenon. But Otani the pitcher during his MVP campaign, we only saw him once last year. And the Yankees rocked him. Uh, seven earned runs in under an inning. Now that was a game that would go on to be remembered for uh, much different and terrible reasons because it lasted till 2 a.m. and a Aroldis Chapman blew it at the very last possible second. But the Yankees destroyed Otani in that game. Matt Carpenter, notably, of course, not a member of the Yankees team that destroyed Otani in that game. Uh, so e- even if you think the Yankees have his number or whatnot, which they obviously don't, great pitchers have bad games, et cetera, et cetera, Matt Carpenter starts this game with just a refusal to swing and miss. Uh, an 11-pitch an at-bat might have been 12, uh, tons of fouls, tons of hard-hit balls foul. And then how often do you sort of, you know, th- those at-bats become a footnote um, and you try to, like, proselytize the case of, like, no, it was a great at-bat. If he strikes out, it's just like, okay, I mean, you know, it's a great at-bat and ended a strikeout. You know, who cares? Um, you'll be like, no, no, it was wonderful. And you're like, no, it, was, it ended with an out. So who actually cares about that? Carpenter destroyed a baseball into the right field seats, deep in a right field, barely kept it fair, wrapped it around the pole. He's got three hits as a Yankee so far. They've all left the yard and he is leading off this freaky lineup today. Um, and I love it. Like, why not try that? You know, you, the, the Yankees are at a point where you can just sort of look in the mirror and go, yeah, try that. Why not do, you know, you got a weird idea. You just go ahead and try it. Uh, they are 34 and 15 and they really needed the win in the opener and got it, and they really needed to punch Otani first in this game, and they did. Gleber Torres also went yard later in that inning. Every ball in that inning was scalded. It was Carpenter gone, judge up the middle, you know, hard hit grounder mm-hmm. single, uh, finally enough, no DFA, I guess. Uh, and then Anthony Rizzo rocketed a line drive that turned into a double play. And then the very next batter, Gleber Torres, first pitch, 10th homer of the year over the short porch into the normal seats on the short porch, would have been a home run. I was I'm not gonna check the would it dong account because I don't check that religiously, but I bet it would have <laughs> it would have donged in most places. And Glaber Torres, who uh slugged 360 last year, now leads all second basemen in home runs. Uh he's got 10. That's unbelievable. He's hitting strikes hard, I guess. Um through this judge at bat, he just took strike two, by the way. So now here we are in the bottom of the third. The Yankees don't have a swing and miss in 41 pitches against Shohei Otani. Now, I'm sure that's about to break. I'm going to keep talking until this pitch is delivered. Well, no, not yet. So, we're at 42 pitches now, no swings and misses. They basically did the same thing to Syndergaard the other day. Um, And with half a lineup, right? Marwin Gonzalez is playing today. Matt Carpenter, who we know and love, like, isn't exactly the guy who was intended to start this season – Uh, We saw them go down to Tampa, and we made excuses for splitting that series and said, I mean, look at the lineups they're running out. How could they possibly X, Y, Z? And they come out and bludgeon Noah Syndergaard and win that game 9-1. And now here they are. Streak continues. Foul one off. He's throwing between 97 and 100. No swings and misses in the bottom of the third. It's a great effort.
3: God, that Carpenter bomb is – I watched it again. It's just aesthetically pleasing.
2: Very Um, aesthetically pleasing. Wrapped around the pole,
3: second (laughs) deck.
2: I'll take take some hits from Matt Carpenter that aren't home runs, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there. He had a chance to with Rose's score position last inning to add to the lead. He didn't do it. Single there I would have enjoyed. Marwin got jammed with second and third one out, looped one to the infield. Uh, Judge. Aaron Judge has left the yard. Wow. Wow. Let us
3: go. All
2: All of of us rise. rise The kind of home run that only he hits – took a little looper in the middle of the plate and deposited it from 405 feet with a Ooh. 109.9 exit velo to left. That looked like it might be a line drive fly out, and it just carried 405 feet. Would, it, it, dong. Would it dong? Else lose. Would it dong? Would that one potentially have donged? Uh,
3: two funny – well, two things that I thought of with Carpenter and Torres. Um, first with Carpenter, we had talked about Carpenter potentially becoming a Yankee, for three years, yeah. Um, since 2019, that's when the decline began for him. 2018, he finished top 10 in the MVP voting, and then there was a big drop off yeah. 226 average, 92 OPS. The year before, it was 257, 140, uh, 143 OPS plus, and then it got even worse. 2020, shortened season, obviously, but 186 average, 79 OPS plus. 2021, Played in 130 games, and the Cardinals allowed this to go on for 130 games. 169 average, 581 OPS, three homers, 63 OPS plus. Absolutely out of this world. I can't believe it lasted as long as it did. Um, And kind of ever since throughout this time period, he's been on a quest to discover his old swing. I don't know what happened with the mechanics in between. People go through weird things. Nonetheless, very funny because we've always talked, hey, Matt Carpenter, you know, throw him in the middle of the Yankees lineup. It's, we always talk about it. Throwing somebody in the middle of the Yankees lineup is very different than throwing them in the middle of any other lineup. The Yankees have very good hitters. Whether they're producing or not, they're still offering, they're still providing a ton of stress on um, the opposing pitcher, Um, whether they have to pitch around somebody or whether they have to worry about, you know, someone like Stanton who, does slump terribly, but then the pitcher is like, okay, fuck, when is he breaking out of this slump? Because it could come right now when the bases are loaded and he could hit one 500 feet off, off of me. Um, and interestingly enough, we get Carpenter in his age 36 season where you think he wouldn't even matter anymore. Um, and we're seeing the results already, and it's not in a stack Yankees lineup. So clearly he's made the necessary tweaks to kind of get back to where he needs to be. Um, And the results right now are awesome. I know uh, coming into this game, he was hitting 154. But his OPS
2: was a 928. And his
3: OPS plus was a
2: 163. I love it. I I wish somebody would have told me about the swing adjustments. Like when we were talking about Matt Carpenter earlier this offseason, and it was just sort of an open and shut case where it was like, what about Matt Carpenter? Oh, he's been legit dreadful for three years? Okay, in that case, I won't be interested in Matt Carpenter. Thank you um it's like when i was talking about paul de young i was like what about paul de young and people were like yeah. you can't hit or field and he's expensive and i was like well that's it for me goodbye it felt like the same thing for matt Car- it's like have we considered matt carpenter then it's like oh look at the stats uh they're all you know it, 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 they they read washed it's like you translate yeah. his batting average ops plus and home run numbers uh you, you google translate it and it comes back just like career over uh and then <laughs> an in depth story that says he and Joey Votto are on this desperate search to remake his swing and there's still homers in there. People were saying, uh, Jose Trevino told the John Boy guys when he visited the office that Carpenter has 15 to 20 homers still left in his bat. He's already hit three this season, not forever. I mean, that would be a a spooky proclamation from Jose Trevino. I don't know why you just say that unprompted. It's like, his. I think Matt Carpenter's life will be over in 15 to 20 homers. What? What are you talking about? Um, but he he still has that trademark pop. And then you look at Glaber Torres, who is uh, from a certain inflection point, basically from that walk off hit in the Guardians game, is treating every at bat with the same calmness, just hitting oppo bombs, constantly pulling bombs ripped on the other day. And in the Monday game, it almost looked for a second like he was down for the count. He, he got not spiked but stepped on he got his shoulder caught in a slide and was writhing around on the ground and it it from for those of us who saw Miguel and Duhar tear his shoulder capsule doing way less than that just sliding into the bag slightly weird it didn't even look injured and then all of a sudden he's out for the year the writhing I I don't know about you I didn't love the writhing and he didn't leave that game he made an athletic play up the middle and here he is today going yard again against once again this is Shohei Otani on the mound No, no scrubs
3: Yeah. Um, My biggest thing with Glaber now is um, I'm wondering if the Yankees kind of force him into shortstop or if he never said anything about him not wanting to play shortstop or if the Yankees just said, too bad, you're playing shortstop. Um, Because you look at these splits and they are it's obvious. I know in 2019 he played more than half of his games at shortstop when DD was out from Tommy John. Um, but the results weren't there. His fielding percentage was a, was 0.961, which is not great. He made 11 errors in 77 games. Like you knew it was bad. Then again, he made nine errors at second base in 65 games. So that wasn't that great either. But you saw that um, he was maybe more comfortable at the plate because he had a certain amount of reps at second base. His rookie year, he played 109 at at second um, and 21 at shortstop. Um, And then you have 77 at short in 2019, 65 at second. Um, And then you have the short in 2020 season, mostly shortstop. Um, And then last year, mostly shortstop before the Yankees decided to pull the plug in September. Um, But with the return to second base, or at least with less of an emphasis on shortstop, you're seeing a difference in his approach altogether. Um, the patience, the pitch selection, um, the, uh, the willing, the aggressiveness, um, the willingness to wait on pitches. Um, and he's more relaxed. Um, so it's, we were harsh on Gleyber Torres. I was harsh on Gleyber Torres. I don't take any of it back because, you know, he was given a role and he failed miserably at it. Um, just but
2: the, he just went into the gap again. Speak of the yeah. devil.
3: Yeah. Great swing. Um, and I just wonder, what were there conversations there? Was this talked about at length? Because then you have Cashman coming out and saying he didn't come in shape, like weird discourse about that, and then he has a weird response to it. So, like, are the Yankees not communicating properly with certain players who they're asking to do a lot? I don't know. It's something worth wondering because – Everybody was mad at Gleyber Torres for these last two years, which very much held the Yankees back. Among other things, other aspects of the roster held this team back, but a Gleyber Torres, you know, contributing a one war, a 1.2 war over the course of the 2020 and 2021 seasons, like that's not getting the Yankees where they need to be. They don't need 38 homer Gleyber Torres, but they need – a non detrimental Glaber Torres. They need someone who's not negatively impacting every day on the field. So just some food for thought, folks. You wonder if the Yankees are talking like you knew DD was a guy. I, I'm not re I'm not endorsing re-signing DD for the amount of money, you know, that he landed on with the Phillies, but they had good chemistry. The production was there. Um, Glaber like second base. I, I don't know. I, I I wonder sometimes what would happen if we just resigned Edie, ran it back, and what what would this what, what what would this team have done in the shortened 2020 and last year when they fell one game short of hosting the wild card game? So, um, I don't really want to think about that because I like the way the Yankees are performing right now. But you just look at Glaber's turnaround, and it's been so tremendous, and it's been actually fun to watch. Like I feel good for him. Um, I feel shitty about myself having having criticized him as much as I did. Um, That also makes me feel good because I enjoy being wrong. Um, But yeah, I just, I can't get those thoughts out of my head.
2: It's weird. And, and you add into that, you know, drama and unnecessary drama. They, they trade his best friend, Gio Urshela shockingly right before opening day this year. And for him to have responded in this way, he he was benched ostensibly on opening day. Um, You know, maybe not necessarily merit-based. Somebody had to sit, too many guys for not enough space. Um, but he's the guy they chose, so clearly their belief in him was wavering. At, at a certain point, he came off the bench and hit a big sack fly in that in that opening day game, but he didn't start it. Uh, ironically, you know, DJ Lemayhu didn't start opening day 2019 either, and Labor doesn't start opening day 2022. And basically by the same point in time, they're among the team's most important players. Yeah. Uh, I think let's talk about the position switch stuff a little bit just because uh, it did crop up again this week. Uh, <laughs> there was a tweet that sort of, you know, makes you laugh because of how logically obvious it is. Uh, they played Joey Gallo in right in the first game of this series. They're playing him in right again today. Uh, his first game of this series is arguably the most comfortable he's looked all year. Uh, and the reason behind that is he is a right fielder. That's his position. That's where he won the gold glove. You broke it down. He's played a lot of left field. Uh, so it's not like he doesn't have a lot of experience in left field, but he has never looked as comfortable as he did in all facets of the game, racing in, making a great catch on a looping pop-up in mm-hmm. foul territory, avoiding the wall for the first out of that game, uh, looping a single in his first AB, taking a clutch walk and bat flipping, ripping one later, scoring from first on a LeMahieu double down the line, which – Uh, Take your home runs. Uh, Give me an aesthetically pleasing Lemayhew scoop double down the left field line over over anything. It's the most beautiful uh, swing-hit combo in baseball. Um, Gallo looked great again, and so it makes you just – he's he's starting in right field again today, and he walked his first at-bat. He's coming up. How ironic. Joey Gallo at the plate now uh, with runner in scoring position and two outs. It's just – it makes you go, wait we're we've been playing people out of position why we traded for Joey Gallo to play not right field why and and they did an interview with him before this game too where he was like yeah I love right field like it's you know I think I've done pretty good there in the past like uh you know I'll play left I'll play center I'll play the infield whatever they want me to do but yeah I mean and it's just so obvious that he's you know he's here for whatever they want but he should be a right fielder. Wherever he lands next, he'll be a right fielder. So Glaber Torres came up a shortstop, performed worse at shortstop, ends up getting pigeonholed back at shortstop. It wastes two years of our lives. Then he gets placed back at second base and pays immediate dividends. Gallo, unfortunately, has popped out. But that's two times in the last, you know, several cycles where somebody who's just somebody's at the wrong position. Could they play that position? Sure. Are they in the right place? No. And then as soon as they move, they look better and it makes you go, wait, well, what were the Yankees thinking? And that was just the plan to do something and and hope that the person who's not being consulted is, is fine and accepting of, of what you're doing. I'm sure Gallo knew he wasn't taking right field from Aaron Judge. It's not great that Aaron Judge now has to play a ton of center field but all of this being said, you know, all extenuating circumstances aside, that's two players at the wrong position in two years. That didn't work either time. We don't have enough data to know if Gallo's going to be back to being Texas Gallo playing right. But Glaber's back to 2019 Glaber essentially playing second already.
3: Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing with this is like, technically, the Yankees did not make the wrong decision. Glaber Torres came up as a shortstop. So they were like, oh, this guy could be the shortstop of the future. That makes sense. Joey Gallo played two hundred and thirty nine of his four hundred and uh, of his uh, four hundred and thirty seven career games in the outfield in left field. And he was fine. Not uh, ninety eight point two fielding percentage like that, that that gets the job done. Um So you saw the success of him in right field. And you're like, oh, maybe this could be something. But like also he plays a ton of left field. So like that could work, too logically you look at the career numbers and you look at what he was able to produce and you're like, okay, this, we can make this work. We have an all world player in right field. We have a center fielder in Aaron Hicks and we can, you know, last year you could use um, Brett Gardner there. Um, and uh, you could use Tim LaCastro there if you need to. Um, and then you, you know, you have this versatility that, that would work, but now, It's clear Gallo is more comfortable in right. It's clear Gleyber Torres is comfortable at second, which makes you wonder, were the proper conversations had once again? You bring Joey Gallo in and you're like, hey, man, you're going to play a ton of left field. Does he say, "Okay, sure, it's great to be a Yankee. I'm going to play a ton of left field. Or did he say, I haven't played a whole lot of left field over the last couple of years and I kind of like right better. Is there anything we can work here? Can we fix something? You're right. He probably didn't. Maybe he didn't say anything because it's like Aaron Dredd is the right field. What pull do I have there? I have absolutely none. But now it's interesting. Now it's interesting because Aaron Hicks is so bad that we talked last episode about there being no recourse here. The recourse is you trade Gallo.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You put Hicks as the fourth outfielder on the bench. Plomped. You bring back Brett Gardner or you trade for somebody else. And you roll with whatever you roll with that configuration. Now, is it crazy to make Judge a starting center fielder, Gallo right field, and then cycle whoever out of left, whether it's Stanton, whether it's Lacastro, whether it's Hicks? I don't know. Hicks doesn't particularly look good there. So that just, yeah, Yeah. Trade, yeah, (laughs) trade acquisitions too. Like, it gives you an ability to maybe get judge up maybe judge plays more center field and then there are days where he's off his feet DHing and Stanton's in left and Hicks plays center or maybe Gallo gets a day in left and we can swallow that pill for one day a week i don't know but you look at the situation from you know a perspective where um, you're trying to benefit all parties this benefits. I know the Yankees are kind of shooting themselves in the foot, but if Aaron Judge can head into free agency saying, "I'm also a center fielder," yeah, that increases his price. I know it doesn't help the Yankees, but if the Yankees are trying to do good by their best player and also willing to pay their best player, like, and trying to win this year, maybe that maybe this is the move. Maybe it's Gallo and Wright. You see, if Gallo's bat returns to average, if Gallo is a hitting if Gallo's OPSing near 800 and OPS plusing 105, we're talking about, we're talking, we're, you, you're looking at a completely different lineup. Yeah. Because he goes from a black hole to somebody who can actually do something that keeps the train chugging along. Because you have a lot of other names in this lineup who hit aggressively, who, who can get on base and who can um, hit and clutch moments. So I think that's worth thinking about for the rest of the year. If you mostly play judge in center field and then give him ample time to be off his feet at DH, which you you know, you might not want to do because of Stanton's injury issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough to juggle, but it could be a long term solution.
2: It depends how much Stanton you're getting to. Yeah. I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if you see some Judge D. H. Stanton bench rest yeah. recuperation days yep. um at a little higher frequency. I mean, you need those anyway. You need Stanton for the end of the season more than you need Stanton for the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch John Carlos Stanton. Never want to see him get benched, but if he's going to be dealing with ankle inflammation or soreness, or he also had a calf issue. We thought he like, you know, we thought he yanked it out of place when he got down, swung and missed, you know, yeah. who, whatever, you're going to have to do Giancarlo stand maintenance. And if you're going to start Aaron judge in center, you're going to have to do Aaron judge maintenance. There's definitely, there was a time in the past week where I was just like Brett Gardner. Okay. Instead of like trying to fight against Brett Gardner. Like, I I don't think Brett Gardner should be your big time acquisition uh it is funny that they've raced out to their hottest start in decades the first year Brett Gardner is not on the team yeah. I don't think that means anything but it is uh humorous to mention Juan Ligaris man he's killing us uh two out double for Juan Ligaris cool um and I I honestly this week for the first time in a long time just like kind of looked at the name Brett Gardner and was like maybe <laughs> honestly maybe uh they do need outfield depth they do need help Aaron yeah. Hicks uh, I don't know if there's a major league team that would release Aaron Hicks. There's certainly more years on that contract than the Mets and Cano. Um, the Mets would be the only team that I think would will- be willing to bite that financial bullet, which isn't even that much. But just getting rid of a distressed asset. Who like I, I have no problem with Aaron Hicks being a fourth outfielder on this team um, at this at this point in time. No. I-, I can't really look at the roster and just be like, send Hicks you know, anywhere else. I, I'm, I'm sick of watching the madness, but if you just tell me he's not going to be starting and he's not going to be factoring into this right. lineup on a regular basis, that's fine with me. Uh, but yeah, I did for the first time in a long time think Gallo and right, Brett Gardner and left. So it's, uh, it's, I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm not like grabbing pom-poms, but I'm not rolling my eyes.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
2: you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by.
0: Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Uh, talk about rolling eyes. Let's talk about Josh Donaldson, who uh, showed up uh, on Wednesday. And I don't know about you, but this was sort of the moment to me when, uh, look, when he hits the aisle. Uh, with shoulder stiffness or or whatever he had uh, you're sort of like all right take your time he goes on the COVID aisle doesn't have COVID he gets his one game suspension and he hits the aisle with shoulder soreness you're kind of like all right this is the moment when this kind of blows over a little bit take your rest and recuperation now uh and we'll all we won't forget about what happened but when you come back the focus will not be on what happened yes and then uh he shows up yesterday uh during the pre-rainout period uh does some media availability for some reason and that was the moment it hit me like oh wait it's still weird like i still feel weird about josh donaldson and it was weird so it's weird remembering he's going to have to be in the lineup it's weird like that he it is now weird that he disappeared for so long immediately after the stuff went down, uh, and then of course it, it was weird because he decided to talk about it and say he was sort of uh, you know a little hurt that the Yankees didn't have his back in this whole thing, which I don't really know what they what he wanted from them. It's not like they ripped him a new one after he left. It's not huh. like. Aaron Judge got in front of the media and said, "You know, Josh Donaldson's not welcome in my clubhouse." And we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Yeah, but Aaron Boone just said, "You know, I think he made a mistake," which fair. You know, I think he made a mistake as well. The fairest uh, thing you can say. Yeah, he, like Tony La Russa said, Josh Donaldson's racist, and Aaron Boone said Josh Donaldson made a mistake. Certainly a light touch. Aaron Judge said, "I don't like something like I don't think there's a place for that." You know, he crossed a line again light rebuke and judge's comment also included a line that was like um you know he he handled it right behind the scenes he had the tough conversation with us in the clubhouse we all talked through it and then so that made you think okay i mean yeah the team is still they're not yeah. fractured they, they had the conversation with josh donaldson and then yesterday donaldson saying like every team i've ever wanted to ever been on has wanted to extend me you know i think locker room chemistry is a huge part of winning i do too man but, like, it, I thought you guys had that. What, what happened? What, did you not have that? Because it sounded like you did. And if you're that upset about, like, Judge just kind of saying, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that, then uh, you're, yeah, you're, you're sort of, your you're feelings, I don't know, facts don't care about your feelings, Josh, I guess. What was your take on this situation?
3: Yankees PR team, anybody home? Why the fuck is this guy the only guy talking to the media <laughs> yesterday? He's not Who even back him? yet. Who found him? He's not even back yet. Why is he talking to the media? Why is he the only guy talking to the media? Why is he not? Look, this needs to be discussed. Uh, I don't, we don't want to keep discussing this. We don't want to defend. It doesn't need to be defended. We don't want to have to make this bigger than it already is. Um, But we do need to address the nuances of it. Um, Racial undertones for sure. Um, Josh Donaldson, probably just not really uh, sensitive on that front. And, thought it was okay to say this, that over and over again um, without there being because there wasn't any repercussions and because nobody really stood up to him aside from Tim Anderson saying what three years ago that I don't want to talk to yeah, you ever no, again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, classic, you know, classic in Donaldson's, you know, maybe warp brain. Oh, I got to him. I was shit talking him and now I got under his skin. So like, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. An idiot who needs to learn, you know, we uh, pe- plenty of people have been there so we can discuss the nuances about this all day. Don't want to defend him. Also don't want to make this bigger than it is. But why is he talking about this still? Why has there not been any filter on him from the Yankees PR team about any of this? Um, He already created enough of a stir with his actions um, and with the White Sox uh, uh, getting as angry as they did with this. There is no reason now to come out and now flip it back on your teammates Um, because guess what? Um, Your manager – Is the boss, so your manager can say whatever he wants about you, and you don't really have an answer to that. Your teammate Aaron Judge, who is um, also part part black, can say what he wants about it because it clearly made him feel a certain way because because of who he is. So Aaron Judge also offered a, like you said, a a, a sort of a, a an olive branch of support there by saying, "Hey, you know what." It was a bad call by him, but he taught, we talked about it behind the scenes. It was a constructive conversation. We're good. Now, I don't know where he, where he felt the, Yanke- the Yankees didn't uh, support him, but even if they didn't support him, which was not seen in the public eye, you don't go back and start talking about this again. So now you're opening a new can of worms, talking about, oh, I said something shitty, and um, instead of my teammates blindly backing me for saying something shitty um, – they didn't, and now I kind of feel weird about it. Um, there's no reason Josh Donaldson should be talking about this again um, or um, answering these questions uh, without uh, having some sort of filter on him when it comes to discussing the team, when it comes to discussing the organization, and when it comes to discussing his manager or you know his peers, whatever it is. There is, he shouldn't be, he tried to defend what he said. I don't understand what I incited, which clearly means he still doesn't get it. Um, So maybe he shouldn't be talking to the media about this. Um, I, you're right. It feels weird. I don't, I kind of don't really, after that, I don't really want him back here. I I just don't, I don't want more of this because we don't need more of this in general. And, you know, from a societal standpoint, we just, this is not a constructive conversation to have again. um, We got there, we're past it. He needs to learn. I don't want to hear about his defenses anymore. He got out of this pretty scot-free. One-game suspension, you got a slap on the wrist. People kind of think you're an asshole now, but everyone's kind of always thought you were an asshole, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, um, the only good thing that came out of this is the criticism of Liam Hendricks, who I think is a complete phony, um, mm-hmm. a guy who could kick my ass up and down the street. But he's always a guy, once again, a Donaldson-esque guy, always talking shit, Always boasting, always being loud and celebratory, like when it doesn't even call for it. Um, and Donaldson said he was confused when uh, he's been approached by Hendricks um, multiple times since they haven't been teammates. Um, and Donaldson said he dapped him up, um, asked him how he is, doesn't what? doesn't <laughs> doesn't say anything inflammatory. Meanwhile, he has this post game interview. Well, he has the postgame interview last year saying he never liked Josh Donaldson. They were teammates in Oakland, and he hated him. And then you have uh, last year, again, when he um, uh, further drove that point home when Donaldson talked trash to um, Dylan Cease or whoever it was, or Lucas Giolito. And then this year, he goes off unfiltered NSFW interview, calling him a bullshitter, calling him a douchebag, or that was Joe Kelly, I'm sorry. Nonetheless, saying very, very inflammatory things and – making it seem like he's backed it up before. Like, I don't like this guy. This guy knows I don't like this guy. And then Donaldson, maybe he's lying. I don't know. Comes out and says, it's weird. This guy came up to me and said, what's up? And I gave him a high five and then that was it. So um, I'd like to see an an exposure of Liam Liam Hendricks kind of being a phony, but that's the only positive here. Otherwise, Donaldson shouldn't be talking about this. Donaldson shouldn't be defending any of his actions. Donaldson shouldn't be questioning, questioning any of his teammates who think that he did something wrong. Um, this is not his decision to make. Um, this is, th- this is everybody else's decision to make. And in, in, in regards to how the comment was, um, taken by Tim Anderson, um, and respecting how he feels. Um, so Yankees PR team, again, we've had many issues with you. We still have a lot of issues with you. And now this, I don't know how this slips through the cracks. I really
2: don't. I don't get it at all. Uh, oi. Uh yeah, Liam Hendricks. Uh, we own him, so I don't really. Yeah, you know, that too. I, I am automatically in favor of anything that makes Liam Hendricks look like maybe he's a little two faced. Yeah, um, I don't doubt at all that he you know saw Donaldson the park. Hi, hey, what's up, man? Hey, Josh, how are you? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love to scream after saves. Do you, Do you like it when I scream? Donaldson's like, uh, yeah, man, it's it's awesome. He's like, do you hear me scream? He's like, yes, we all <laughs> we all heard you scream. The stadium is empty. Uh. The legend of Jose Trevino just knocked out Shohei Ohtani with a single. Uh, so let's just wrap up this podcast by just giving Jose a little bit of love for, for game one, for for this game so far, when he just knocked one through the hole. Uh, Ohtani out in the middle of the fourth. Maybe you're trying to delay this game to get to the rain a little faster. Joe Madden, 3D chess, 4D chess. All chess is 3D. Um, <laughs> Jose, Jose Trevino, has been not just uh, you know a solid catcher and someone who we barely knew anything about when he arrived. Uh, he already has uh, established himself as, A, someone who should be starting almost every day. Yeah. Uh, obviously, catchers don't start every day, so you're going to see Higashioka twice a week, at least. But this shouldn't be a platoon. This should be Jose Trevino as your starter and Kyle Higashioka as your backup, mm-hmm. a role that he's used to. Uh, that's one. Two, he's already delivered an indelible moment this season, the... The walk-off game for his father's birthday was unbelievable. Uh, But don't let that just get isolated as, you know, this is, you know, what a random guy to have a random thing happen to him. Because Jose Trevino has been legitimately great in all facets of the game. Uh, He's sort of like, it's almost like if you're bored of saying Nestor Cortez is cute because he's now just so obviously one of the best pitchers in the American League and has been for a year. Jose Trevino is the one you've moved on to. He was at MLB doing TikToks this week. Like people are now like, we need a new like unexpected cute Yankee. And they've chosen Jose Trevino, Uh, but he's been legitimately great. He leads all catchers in framing runs as of the end. I I don't know if he got lapped, but as of the end of play uh, on Tuesday night, uh, shockingly enough, one of the other most valuable catchers of baseball is Jonah Heim, who took over for him when he was traded from Texas to New York. That's also interesting, but Trevino's 110 WRC plus after that game is, is one of the best catcher marks in baseball. Gary Sanchez, who's been a half catcher, half DH so far this year, is it was at 120 at, at the end of play on Tuesday. And Trevino's at 110. So slightly worse, but still well above average offense from Trevino. Incredible defense. And he scored in Tuesday's game, the sixth run of the game, on a contact play, second and third, one out, grounder from DJ LeMay, who to second, perfectly executed. By the second baseman, it was a rip grounder. I don't begrudge him for breaking, but that contact play never works. It shouldn't have worked. He should be out by 10 feet. And somehow approaching the plate, he, like, dips his body out of the way, doesn't leave the baseline, overruns the plate, comes back, beats Max, Stassi the bag with his hand. I have never seen anybody do that without being called out. I'm also coming off, like, a a couple (laughs) weeks of Rangers playoff games where, like, and there's like a foot over the toe over the line and a goal gets called offside. The Rangers have lost like six straight replay reviews in the playoffs. So I, I watched that and I go, there's no way that stands. Like, I don't even know what rule you can challenge that on, but that just looks, that's way too cool. If that was possible, people would be doing that all the time. And apparently Jose Trevino somehow managed to get toward his body And successfully, like, not run out of the baseline, but evade the catcher in midair and get back to the plate, tag it for the sixth run in an eventual 9-1 win. One of the most incredible things I've ever seen. So, every week, there's something else this guy does. That first game of the series, like, it was all Jordan Montgomery. Obviously, Matt Carpenter hit a bomb. Jose Trevino got a back pick at first, caught Montgomery, led him to another seven-inning start, uh, hit a homer late in that game, and had this incredible slide. He hadn't even really done much by like the, until like the fifth or sixth inning, and ended up owning the entire back half of the game and the game ending narrative. So just standing ovation for him yet again, and and I hope we get to end every pod every week by saying thank you to Jose Trevino, Marwin Gonzalez picking him up, putting him down, Aaron Hicks scores, love it. You know you scoring, you staying at third. What are you doing? You're staying at third, second, and Ooh, third. that's a rip. That's a rip. Uh, Trevino's
3: home run in that, uh, late in that nine, one win too, was on an O2 count majestic right off the
2: barrel, flew into the left field seats. Um, one of those, that looked like a tennis home run, like a, a, yeah. off a racket just like <laughs> stays on the bat longer than you think it's going to. And then you just like feed it out to the left field seats where you want yeah. it.
3: Really cool. Um, my biggest thing with Trevino is the energy. You know, I love that the positive energy, the, uh, the, uh, positive demeanor, a good body language, um, the enthusiasm to just do everything. Uh, Aaron Boone talked earlier this year about his commitment to defensive game plans, which obviously plays a role um, in his uh, framing outs and outs above average behind the plate. Um, but finally, dude, we get a guy who like opposing teams can't hate. If you're a Red Sox fan and you hate Jose Trevino, okay, then you're just, you, you probably just have a dark soul, and that's okay. You know, there's a lot of dark souls out there. Um, and I get it. We've all been there before, but there's no talking shit on Jose Trevino. He's one of those guys who's kind of just, he's impervious to that. You, he's, he's such a likable guy. He is very jovial. He's always saying the right things. He's positive reinforcement constantly. Um, wears his emotion on his sleeve in the best way possible. Um, and I, for me that, that affects how somebody can actually produce on the field. Um, especially when you're surrounded by superior talent. Trevino, I criticized the trade because Albert Abreu, you started Albert Abreu who by the way folks, DFA'd by the Rangers so he is no longer on the Rangers. So we the Yankees can already won we this,
2: can have him if we want. Yeah, yeah,
3: the Yankees already won this trade regardless of what Trevino had done uh you know in the month of April. It didn't matter. The Yankees got themselves a backup catcher for nothing. Um but yeah, initially I'm like great. Albert Abreu finally comes along and then you acquire a guy in Ben Rortfett who you never really heard of before and we don't really know what is possible from him and then he gets injured and then you have to go out and get another backup catcher and then you trade a slightly appreciating asset and a guy you've had since 2017 who never really came around but now finally started to come around. So there was – you know, I think my frustration there – was probably a little bit exaggerated, but it was valid because you're like, we need bullpen help. We need arms. And now we need another backup catcher because you traded for one who never really proved or done anything. And now he's injured. Um, But now that's the best trade of the off season. Uh, it's probably going to be the best move that the Yankees maybe make all year. Um, Not really, you know, exaggerating on that front either. The Yankees needed defense behind the plate. They needed, they needed entertainment from a pre and post game standpoint. You saw the last two years. You didn't want to watch any post-game interview. You The pre-game interviews were like, what is going on here? What am I watching? I don't understand this. Um, the more and more Jose Trevino succeeds and does something of note, the more and more you're going to see him in the public eye, getting fetched by reporters after the game to talk to, being approached in the locker room, literally whatever it is, um, that, has po- that has a positive impact well beyond the box score. It has to deal with morale based in just the locker room and in the fan base, which – the fan base morale is is arguably the most, you know, the second most important. Um, you have fans with energy coming to the park every night, excited to watch guys. Excited to watch guys who shouldn't matter, like Jose Trevino. No offense to him, he's a he's a backup level catcher, but like, you should be going to the park to see Giancarlo Stanton, to see Aaron Judge, which people are still doing. But now, Jose Trevino is now a topic of conversation,
2: and that's amazing. Yeah.
3: Simply amazing.
2: And lifelong Yankee fans yeah uh, you know, he's got the tweets from 2013 and, and and does that matter I mean look we all it's silly but I always say maybe incorrectly maybe correctly it always feels like the guys who want to go to Boston and be Red Sox believe in the Red Sox culture and it feels yeah. like the guys who want to go to New York and be Yankees want money that's yep. just always sort of felt that way like I, I've always wanted to be Yankee as code for I want cash but not necessarily I grew up a Yankee fan like Garrett Cole you know, he showed you the sign. We've seen the sign. But he also is making $325 million. Yeah. For, or, you know. Uh, and so, Jose Trevino, you know, making pre-R money, uh, bona fide Yankee cred. Like, it's all on the social media page. We've all seen it. Like, that That means something to me, too. Um, that is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Red Sox fans chanting Yankee suck Oh, down let's do it quick. We got the
3: bases loaded, so we might as well stay on live.
2: Yeah, down one nothing in the, uh, in the ninth inning against the Cincinnati Reds, uh, oh. who are uh, bad. That the Red Sox, the Red Sox, ultimately lost that game to the Reds, uh, which was cool. I liked that. Uh, that sent the Red Sox record uh, during the Red Sox are in the middle of a period I call the automatic ten game winning streak. Uh, which I had circled on the calendar all year. When, when they were way under 500, I was like, well, let's see how far over 500 they are when the automatic 10-game winning streak is over. Uh, five at home against the Orioles, including a doubleheader. Two against the Reds at home as well, and then three in Oakland. Three teams that are ostensibly not trying. They lose that series to Baltimore. Insane. They lose the first game of the Reds and split that little two-gamer, and they're now three and four. So that's not 10 wins. In fact, that's only three that's uh, so out of crazy. seven opportunities. Pretty cool. Uh and in that game, it's it's one-nothing in the ninth, and you get a stadium-wide Yankee suck chant from the Boston Red Sox, uh, who are again losing the game to the the team that was the worst team in baseball and by winning that game uh moved up and became the second worst team in baseball, uh bypassing the Royals. And the Red Sox were 10 and a half games behind the Yankees at that point but at the end of the night it was 11 and a half so congrats it, it did actually get worse at that juncture but you guys have to figure out you guys have to figure it out I, I, I don't think any Boston Red Sox fans are still watching or, or listening right now uh, I don't think you guys got 47 minutes into a Yankee pod talking about game one of a three game Angels set but in case you did <laughs> uh, figure just figure it out just that that can't be you you're that's not allowed to be you no you can't be you, you can't do that.
3: No, it's, uh, and I, you know, I don't, we talk about this all the time. We saw it in the, the Mets, Mets fans do it. Um, it's obviously the, uh, the sewage um, sect of these fans. Um, but you get a stadium wide chant. Uh, it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing for everybody. Um, and you can hate opposing teams. You can hate opposing players. Um, and Red Sox, it's just annoying because Red Sox fans are, um the rent free people. Those yeah. those are that's where like I mean I don't know where rent free originated but if you gave me a multiple choice test and you gave me four cities and one of them was Boston that would be my guess for the million dollar question on who wants to be a millionaire and I wouldn't even
2: use a lifeline. They um, tweet about you, you respond about them, they yeah, say rent free. Exactly. How it goes. It's so amazing. they don't even
3: know they invented it and they also don't know how it works. Um but yeah, it's embarrassing to not just it's like it's like – I don't even know. I don't even know what it's like. I had an analogy and now I don't even care to say it.
2: It's like um, when the dumbest people on earth do the dumbest possible thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just
3: it – you're clearly so – it's just the classic like – it's the it's the psychology aspect of it. It's like you clearly just feel bad about who you are and what you're doing. So you need to try to make somebody else feel bad about who they are and what they're doing. Um, I don't know how – why they think they can make Yankees fans haven't felt this good in two and a half years, probably two and a half years, closer to three. Um, Two and a half years, I think is a safe estimate. Hadn't felt that good in two and a half years. So I don't know who you think you're bringing down, especially New York people fairly, you know, known to be strong folk. uh, Not really words are not going to take these people down. Um, So to just do that is more of just like, now I have to deal with this on my timeline um, and respond to people who don't know what they're talking about and don't understand um, how to just act properly in any setting. If we're playing each other, fucking whole nine in one through nine. Yankees suck. Oh, I don't shit. Reds, losing to the Reds, Trevor Story, you're the most hated guy in the world, now the best player ever, striking out to end the game with the uh, winning runs aboard. That's it. I mean, you're you're setting yourself up to look worse than you already do, because there is no way to recover from that. Even if you win that game, you're still 10 back. So I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking, but it's embarrassing our culture. It's embarrassing our country. Um, And it's you know, you you love America. I know you guys love America. It's it's Boston. It's it's where it's where it's where it all happened, man. So have some respect for your country. I, I think that's really what I'm trying to say here.
2: The Celtics are in the NBA finals. <laughs> I it forgot about NBA that finals. I mean, that was the day after the Celtics made yeah. the NBA finals. How about a little "Let's Go Celtics"? Yeah. How about anything? Like, isn't the Boston sports ethos that like all the teams feed off each other, and when one's winning, they're they, against the, the world, Patriots, bro. The Patriots go to the Celtics playoff games, and Damian Harrisler's at the first pitch at the Red Sox, and like they, the city of champs because champs are feeding champs and then all of a sudden it's yankees suck on the day after uh, you go to the literal nba finals and, and your baseball team's under 500 in the middle of the automatic 10 game winning streak too uh would you look at that that is it for this edition of the yankees go yard podcast I'm, I'm glad we got that in uh That's make sure to find us on apple podcast google podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast drop us a five-star review drop us a mailbag question we will be more than happy to answer that question alongside your review you will not be hearing from us Next Tuesday, we are off, but we will be back on Thursday to take you through the action once more. Uh, God, these live day game podcasts, I just, I don't like the energy of staring at the television and talking to you folks. But we do it. We do it for the culture. We do it for the New York Yankees. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At
3: Tommy's underscore takes. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for people to say some shit to me Um, because I love it uh head on over to yanks we got plenty of content there for you that is a fly out for glaber torres but that was a team. bad job second and third no outs uh top yeah. five, no Four nothing yanks what was at the s- end of the fourth okay cool you need uh, it. but head on over to yanks we got content there for you our bylines front and center um talk to us on the official Yanksgoyard yard twitter account at YanksgoyardFS. um and until then folks have yourselves a great weekend. Weather's turning here in New York. It's hot and it ain't going away. Um, get that tan on, get that sweat out. We'll talk to you uh, a week from today. Take care of us.
2: Yes. yes, we will. Goodbye, y'all.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels.